how we became known as cart before horse people. Many of you have been asking me for years to create an introduction to intentional creativity, a room 101 starting place. But we are cart before horse people for a reason, and this is that story. I will tell you about how we came to be known this way. For us, the cart, which carries our goods to market and to the next village, is what necessitates the need for a horse in the first place. But then every girl wants a horse or a unicorn, right? If you are familiar with the expression cart before horse, it is a 16th century figure of speech from the Renaissance suggesting something is contrary or backward from the logical order. A horse pulls a cart and the cart is behind the horse. Over time, it has come to mean that someone isn't ready for the big thing because they should do the small thing first. Imagine this, my teacher and mother of my heart, Sue Hoya Sellers, taking one of her first clay classes in the 60s. She had been trained in wood and metal and stone and paper and paint, but clay was less of a focus. It was time because all artists must learn as many mediums as possible, according to her teacher, Lenore Thomas Strauss. Sue registered for this clay class with the registrar at the College of Marin, Helen Davis, who would, many years later, become my paternal grandmother. So, Sue is in this class, and she wants to make a three- to four-foot sculpture. The teacher looks at her and says, don't you think that is putting the cart before the horse? Well, Sue did indeed do a hand-built sculpture and got it fired, and it was epic. It was of a child named Scott, who was the son of a woman she knew. Scott had been hurt by an abusive person in his life, and Sue was a child advocate from the start. The sculpture was always just called Scott, but I had never met Scott or learned about why he was the focus of a sculpture. Well, a few months ago, a woman came into the gallery that Sue had taught to work with Clay way back then, and this woman knew who Scott was. She was the one who told me about the abuse that Sue wanted to stop. So from an early age, Sue was wanting to care for children. She too was been, was been, <laughs> she too was in an abusive home. Towards the end of her days, all Sue wanted to do was focus on children being safe, and for her, Ironically, for this topic for today, which only just occurred to me right now, that included, in her paintings, children being near horses. At the time of the sculpture creation, Sue was so young in her early 30s, but the Scott sculpture became a kind of magnum opus in a way, a cart before horse sculpture with hands and fingers and feet and a face, no small task. It must have taken the entire kiln in the student lab, which if, no, if you know anything about student clay labs, that is pretty much hogging the fire. For me, the cart before horse means that before I invest in the horse, I must build a suitable cart to justify the need for a horse. So yes, I build the cart first. The cart informs what goes into the cart and the content that goes in also informs the cart shape. Then we figure out how to make the cart do what it is designed to do, carry the work of the maker, and so then that necessitates the need for a horse. Although again, I will say I definitely desire a horse over a cart, but then I'm an entrepreneur. 
This also reminds me of the time my sister Shannon wanted a horse so badly, but there was no way for that to happen financially. So my mom, Karen and Sue got her a bridle. Sue believed if we got the bridle, the horse would come. I'm seeing a theme here. Well, years later, when the horse didn't come, Sue painted my sister as the horse, a centaur, a red roan, the horse my sister always wanted. And now finally, even though Shannon, aka the cinnamon cowgirl, no longer rides for her horse for health reasons, she does have a horse. Sometimes these things take time to come to being, but sometimes the bridle represents the dream in motion. My sister and I have imaginary horses that meet up in the dream time. Their names are Destiny, Miracle, and Commander, and they meet at Red Rocks. They carry us to the place we meet that is not an ordinary reality. So that is how we became Cart Before Horse People. I began teaching my work with a super complex depth course called Legend that was all about claiming your story in your own archetype. No biggie. Just a big old sparkly cart that was designed to last a left lifetime that now thousands of people have has taken a big old adventure in and that I repeat annually. Hashtag big cart. Also, I should probably start talking before I start recording since I'm stumbling through my words, but I did write this for you this morning. But before we get to that, let me tell you how legend came to be. My mother, Karen, was a fashion designer. Her tagline was this, if she really did have only one dress to her name, it would be a Karen Johnson. Yes, that was her name then. We are also people who change our names to be more beautiful. We came from not having resources, but we did have skill, which was even better. My mama and my grandmother Eden made our clothes, our bedding, our curtains, and even our underwear. So this is the idea that if a woman could only have one great dress, it would be this dress. It was called the forever dress and it was her first design and it was in denim. If you have one dress, it better be a good one, right? Right. My mother, Karen, from then on would use the one dress framework to think about things that are precious. So one day at Cosmic Cowgirls in Hillsburg, oh, so many years ago, gosh, how long has it been? 15 or 16. She asked me and Sue and Mary McDonald, aka Stella Mac, if you really could create only one course in your whole life and it mattered the very most, what would it be? And so legend was born. Legend is still that cart that came before the horse, but I'm not here today to talk about legend. I am finally ready to teach about the horse that pulls our cart. That's why I wrote this. Makes me think that my mom, because she used to say that people would be hitching their wagon to my star because I knew where I was headed and many people did not. Country speak much? So this is how we became cart before horse people. But now I want to tell you about Tempo whether or not you're joining us, I want you to know I'm finally creating the Foundational Intentional Creativity course. Tempo is my 2023 six-month course, my horse course. It is the foundation of my practice that is often invisible. Tempo is how I do what I do. I am initiated in my path of practice that includes what I call the M10, and I have been working with these 10 areas of practice for over 25 years. 
but they aren't personal to me. These are core practices that anyone can use to create a sacred foundation for their lives, especially agnostic mystic rebel types who have left their traditions and haven't found new ground to call their own. Tempo creates a life where meditation, movement, music, metacognition, and more, and of course, including the muse, are woven into everything we create. We are also including the mago, which is like the magician, because an artist who creates and dreams while they create and witness their creation is, in essence, working in the realm of the non-ordinary of magic. Tempo is the first time I am sharing the foundational practices of intentional creativity in a transparent, obvious way. Every class you take with me has these woven in. You likely didn't even notice them because they are the experience, the self-expression basis that creates the foundation for a creative life. These practices, the M10, are how I do what I do and how I be what I be. People say to me on the regular, I don't know how you do what you do. And y'all, I am not even a workaholic or a perfectionist, and I still get more done in a day than I can even imagine. But it begins with a practice that starts with a capital P, meaning I am devoted to this practice. The roots of this practice go back to a visit from Lenore Thomas Strauss. If you've seen the lineage photo where I'm in a little checkered dress my grandma Eden made, that was the first time I met Lenore. That is Sonoma Mountain behind us. Lenore taught us to meditate while she was here. So there I was, five years old, sitting on my Zazen kitchen. Yep, I started then. We always had Zazen cushions starting from then. But now I have a chase lounge. Well, I have a different meditation to offer than Zen, but you could say I got started then. I also learned martial arts and participated in a women's council starting at age five. This has been quite an initiation. Now I want to share my practices with you to give you a taste of what goes into making my own great work into a great life. I want to invite you to spend time making art with the intention to access the through line to your own great work. Hint, hint, you have one, a great work. You just might not know what it is quite yet. The M10 practices weave with any spiritual tradition seamlessly and easily. There is no confrontation with what you're already doing. And you will find that what they do is contribute to resiliency, self-expression, and a deeper connection with yourself and also with our community. Once you learn these practices, you will have a true practice you can do the rest of your life to lean into, to create your own resilience, to have your own tools. So while I may too often put my cart before my horse, I am here today to reveal the magical horse I rode in on. It's called practice. The motion and emotion of devotion is my tempo. Finding your own rhythm is essential for a peaceful, joyful, resourceful life. So each one of us is invited to discover our own tempo. This is about time and timing and chronos and timeline and how you design the days of your life because every day is so precious and every day matters. So I hope you will join us. This is a special course because it will be required for our first cohort, cohort here at Musea University. 
but it has also opened this university level course to our entire community. This is the foundation of the medicine I carry to create the movement of intentional creativity. This is both the introduction to our work as a whole, as well as a sustainable trauma-informed self-expression break practice based practice for all. You can share it with everyone in your family and the places that you work. And I will be recording it live in real time. I hope to see you in the quantum classroom. Dear ones, life is precious and it is not infinite. Loss is real and persistent and pain is inevitable. No one's getting out of here alive, as you know. To have a practice is to choose a lifeline when we are here swimming in the deep end. But at least we're in her together. And when we get pulled out and we get dried off, we can go hitch our carts to our horses, our magical horses, and follow the star all the way home. I'm here to ride with you. I'm here to design carts with you. I'm here to design villages with you. Every day when I wake up, I am surprised I am still here. I have had some health challenges. I am healing, but there is a fragility and a strength to where I am in my life. Everything I do matters to me to get across, but that's how I want everyone to feel, as if their life matters. That was my mother Karen's last message to the community. Mattering matters and never miss an opportunity to let someone else know that they matter. So I'm letting you know that I know I matter and I also know you matter. When we were forming legend and we asked my mom, how did she end up so different from everybody else? And indeed she was. Anyone who met her knew that. She said she decided early on that she mattered. So this is why I raced to my work and to you, to this, because I know I matter. I know I have to find my own tempo and, I, and to share it with those I love. We don't have much family anymore, and those that are here are really spread out. Many of us don't gather since my mom, Karen, walked into her future. And I don't even do ordinary holidays anymore like I did because I spent most of my holidays and most of my life with Suhoya Sellers. So the truth is that this work and you are the destination of my love and practice. And it's chosen. I choose you. I have my own work, my own personal deep work. But my great work is transpersonal, and that includes you. And my great work is to catalyze the great work within you. And for those of us becoming curates, to catalyze the great work within those who choose to care for the soul of the village. My mom, Karen, used to marvel about how my content was about sparking other people's content, while most people's content is largely about them specifically and what they know. After all, they spend a lifetime feeling like they don't matter. When they finally figure out that they do, we can be pretty self-absorbed. I want to be around more people who care, who want to create content for their cart that blesses the soul of the the village. I want to bless the soul of the village and the village is whatever you define it as. You are my village people. Shall we? Let's ride. The horse has arrived to carry the cart and the cart is practice. With a great heart and horsey attitude. Love me, Shiloh Sophia. P.S. The same woman, Helen Davis, 
gave Sue years of practice and access to the pottery studio at the College of Marin, complimentary. She was only supposed to get one semester. My grandmother, a good Orthodox Christian, broke the rules for this eccentric woman artist. Imagine their surprise many years later when they all found out who the grandmother of Shiloh Sophia was. Surprise. The spirit of my grandmother Helen's generosity changed Sue's destiny, as Lenore had also changed Sue's destiny, and my own, and yours, those of you who choose to study with us. That kind of generosity is what we want to espouse here. Especially considering that Sue, at that time, was already an out lesbian, dressing and looking largely male by feminine standards. We call it butch, or we used to. But to my grandmother, Helen, who knows what Sue looked like? It was the 50s, and people weren't so friendly to LGBTQ+, XY, and beyond of the world. I sometimes imagine my grandmother and Sue together across the counter at the College of Marin. That was the same counter where my grandmother used to let me play and register me for college classes when I was six. She let me type in my own name. Maybe that prefigured my own great work in the university. I want to also say that I know to take courses like Tempo, you have to choose to invest time and resources in yourself and in the work and have some faith in me and Musea. Yet it is 25 plus years of practice that I bring you with all of my heart and devotion. And it does take resources to bring it all forward. I don't want anyone to be left out, however, and I will offer a complimentary practice in January to those who cannot afford the time or resources to attend Tempo. I just have to say this because I don't want it to be exclusive. I want us to be inclusive and to make a huge effort to make that possible. And I know you know that. P.P.S. My real name is Shiloh Sophia from birth, but McLeod was chosen by my maternal grandmother, Eden McLeod, formerly Merle McKinney. So McLeod isn't a lineage last name, but funny enough, my husband Jonathan chose our last name for whatever reason I do not know, but it turns out he's the real McLeod. That story is for another day. I close with a quote from William Shakespeare from King Lear, Act 1. May not an ass know when the cart draws the horse. Not sure that's such a positive statement, but anyway, we are cart before horse people because we actually know how to build carts and when to draw the horse near. Many blessings to you. Thank you for tuning in.